This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I started saying no to the programmed ideas of this is Tim's life and started saying yes to the reprogramming of what I want my life to be. So, you know, like I said, when I, um, when I knew that I didn't want to do jobs that I hated anymore, I started to reprogram and started to, to do, uh, you know, I'm, I want to do fitness. I want to, I want to change people's lives. I'm good at it. I'm good at motivating people. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I would have fun with it. That's what I'm going to do. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. For those of you returning, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you and we're glad you're finding your content helpful. For those of you who are new, welcome and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Feel free to jump in with this episode, but be sure to go back and listen to our first episode to learn why we're here. A quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Today, we have the pleasure of talking with Tim Dorsey. Tim Dorsey is the owner, operator, and trainer of Tim Dorsey Fitness, located in Sandusky, Ohio. He is the proud father of five, yes, I said five, children, ranging from two years old to 17 years old, and married to his wife, Kayla, for the last seven years. When I asked him to provide me with a short bio, here's what he said. I am a cancer survivor, a depression survivor, a failure survivor, a self-sabotage survivor, as well as a wooden spoon survivor. If you don't know what that is, you didn't have an Irish mom. I am all about seeking out failure learning from that failure, reassigning meaning to your failure, finding new obstacles, overcoming said obstacles through trial and error, getting as uncomfortable as possible in a new and unknown life, unknown life circumstances, 
and finding ways to become the greatest version of yourself you've ever known. That, listeners, is just a sneak peek into what is in store for this interview. I have followed Tim's journey for years, and I've truly been in awe of how he has continued to show up regardless of the cards he's been dealt. For those of you that know him personally, from afar, or today will know him for the first time, his energy, positive outlook, and true appreciation for life is contagious. He has impacted his community with his just keep moving mantra and has touched the lives of so many through his inspirational story. So let's dive in. Welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi, Tim. Hello. So listeners, you cannot see Tim right now, but he is actually recording in the car and he is in Columbus. And I want listeners to kind of get a little bit of backstory before we jump into the interview. Tim, why are you in Columbus sitting in your car right now? I'm in Columbus um, because I have a callback audition. Um uh, for the agency that I signed with um, about a month ago uh, for an acting job. And um, yeah, so I had to make a decision. I was either going to uh, do this and um, maybe have some kids in the back running around like crazy people and do my best job um, and then book it to Columbus or I had to get here and just sit in a parking lot where the kids aren't crazy and I could be relaxed and I could do my best job and then uh, also be zen for my callback audition. Well, that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you very and much. break yeah. a leg. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can you tell us what you're auditioning for? Uh, this particular one uh, is for a commercial. So I'm going to, um, they're looking for uh a man in suit uh, with confidence. So that's, I got to wear a suit and be confident. And uh, I, th I, I think I could pull it off. Very right. cool. This is awesome. And I'm, I'm so happy for you. Um, so part of the reason that we wanted you on here is because you are multifaceted and you have so many different skill sets and your journey has just been one that I have just been in awe of. And so I want you to kind of, for people that aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit bit more about the different hats you wear, um, just more about yourself. Okay. Well, um, the most important hat that I wear is um, I am married to uh, beautifully, uh, wonderfully, amazingly, whatever those words are, um, my, uh, my wife, and I have five kids. And, uh, so that's the most important hat that I wear. Um, being a dad and uh, bringing up um, my kids are no matter what I do in life are going to be the greatest things that I've done. Um, I have a 17 year old all the way down to a two year old and um, I have a full schedule. 
because of I that. Bet. I bet. Of just- I need more coffee after you like <laughs> right? saying those ages. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I like to, you know, just, just when I get uh, a good feel about how things sh- should be and, and, and could be and would be, and I can get myself, uh, into a, into a nice pattern, then we just throw wrenches in and, and have another kid. And then when that kid <laughs> is proficient, then there's another kid. And then, when that, and so that's just kind of the thing. We want to make sure that we're, uh, keeping ourselves on our toes. You don't want to be complacent. <laughs> you want to keep challenging yourself. It's kind of my thing to just keep moving. We can, we can get into that later, but I just have to keep moving. Um, so yeah, outside of, um, you know, being uh, married to my wonderful wife and, and having uh, five really, really, really great kids. Um, I am uh, owner operator of Tim Dorsey fitness, which is a, uh, large group, uh, training center in Sandusky, Ohio. We, uh, offer like an open gym environment, but also do boot camp style classes, uh, functional fitness style classes. I have a bunch of instructors in my building who do things like kickboxing and spin and Zumba and, um, all kinds of stuff. So, um, we, uh, I have that going on as well. And then I've decided, um, last, I think, uh, October, that I was going to um, pursue a lifelong uh, ambition of mine. And um, I started taking acting classes in uh, Cleveland. In and your spare time. In, in my spare time, yeah. So <laughs> I get up uh, early in the morning, uh, do my dad's stuff, do my work stuff all day long, and then just, you know try to get my last class or two covered and then drive to Cleveland and, uh, you know, do an hour and a half or two hour, uh, some nights it's, uh, four and a half hours of class and then drive back home. And, uh, yeah. And he's wow. still smiling guys. Like yeah. all his day is like filled to the brim and he's still smiling. Do you know why I'm smiling though? Tell me. Because all of those things that I said that I do, I love. Mm. So I, I obviously, um, I love my kiddos. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have shot for five. And then, uh, I, <laughs> I love my wife, uh, to death and, uh, my fitness company. I started, uh, because I wanted to, not because I had to. And then, um, I think we'll get into it later, but the idea of the acting was, it was something that I've wanted to do for a very long time, but I was afraid of. And, um, I, I just put my excuses, uh, ahead of what I wanted. And, um, like I said, we'll probably get into it later, but I am also a cancer survivor. And one of the things, um, you know, post cancer that I, that I've been doing or trying to do was tackle all of my fears. So, um, I've got a list of things that I've been trying to accomplish and, uh, the universe kind of just started laying things in front of me in the way of acting. And, um, one day I was just like, you know what? Let's do it. So started doing it. I love that. So Tim, I first came to know you because you married one of the link sisters. And so that's how I initially, uh, kind of found out who you were, but mostly because you were publicly sharing your cancer diagnosis and your cancer journey with the world. And would you be willing to tell us more about that season of your life? For sure. For sure. Um, 
you know, it was uh, 2014 was kind of like a, a very defining, uh, life changing time uh, in my life in, in many aspects. Um, that was the year um, that I got married to Kayla. So Kayla and I got married in uh, uh, June of 14. Um, I, I went on my first real vacation. I'd never been on, I, I went on like baseball trips when I was in college and, you know, I played baseball and stuff like that, but I'd never been on a vacation before me and my wife, uh, we went to Jamaica. So I got to go to Jamaica in 2014. When we got back uh, a couple, uh, weeks later, we found out that we were going to be having our first child together, uh, Addison Ray. Um, and, uh, at the end of the year, I found out that I had uh, stage four nasopharyngeal carcinoma cancer, um, which was not the direction uh, we were we were hoping, not the way we were hoping to end the year uh, with everything that was going on. Great, but um, you know that's what was given to us. So, just a little bit of backstory on that. I have. Um, I had a little stuff prior going on. I don't know. Well, they can't see it anyway, but I have, um, I had a, a tumor taken out of my neck, um, in 2010 ish. Um, it was benign. It was, it was, there was no cancer or anything like that. Um, but since I had that occurrence happen, um, my radar was, was pinging, um, so as I move, as we were moving into 2014, um, little things started adding up, um, to a bigger picture. I started, um, I lost my taste changed oh. a lot. Anyway. Um, my smell changed a lot. My right eye started to, um, get blurry. Like I've always had really great eyesight and, um, you know, this eye's still great. This eye just super blurry. I started seeing like neon lights kind of wavy in front of me everywhere I looked. Um, wow. And then like, uh, the last two things were my face started going numb just on the right side. And, mm. um, and then I thought I was developing a cavity in, in, in one of my front teeth and, um, none of it really made sense, um, individually, but, mm when I went to, I went to my dentist and I bought the, I thought I was like, I don't know how I would have a cavity. Like I literally, like I was eating better than I've ever ate in my life. And I was, you know, it's not drinking poorly and I was not alcohol, but like, you know, not smashing. Sugary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just taking care of myself really well at that point in my life. I was like, why in the world would I have, uh, you know, a cavity, especially like in one of my front teeth. So I went to my dentist and, uh, he sat down and we tried to go over everything that it possibly could have been. And we did imaging and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, I don't see anything there. I don't understand why that would be unless it was connected to something else. And then, and I just started, you know, stuff started firing inside of my brain. And, um, you know, I'm like, you know, all these little things that have happened over the last 12 or 18 months, um, you know, maybe they're connected. And since I had that history with having, you know, a tumor, um, removed from my neck, I, I thought, you know, maybe I should go see my ENT. So I went in to see, um, my ENT and, um, I remember like, I don't, I didn't want to 
tell anybody just because it was, I didn't want to freak anybody out. I didn't, you know, I just, just got married and, uh, we're having a baby and everything's so good. And the business is picking up and, um, everything's great. So I didn't really want to tell anybody. So I went in there on my own and, um, we were having a conversation. He was asking me how, you know, what kind of symptoms I was having and how I was feeling and stuff like that. And I don't remember exactly what words came out of my mouth. Um, when the script flipped, but there was, there was a moment where he was just doing standard, you know, taking notes of, okay, you have this going on, you have this going on. So I said something and he stopped half listening to me and he just like turned his head and he looked at me and the way that he looked at me just sent like a Mm -hmm. a shit, like kind of vibe down my whole body. I was like, I don't know what I just said, but whatever I just said, that look that he gave me. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say um, anything. He just, he just, like I said, his, just the way that he was changed. There's a certain focus that happens and you see it in their eyes and you're like, Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's coming. Yep. Yeah. So, so, um, so basically the idea was that, um, he wanted, um, some imaging. He said, you know, you, there's some, there's a reason for what's going on. He said, we're not going to get into it right now. I just want to, you know, cover all of our bases. So I want you to go get some imaging done. So, um, I went and I, I, uh, got some imaging done. And the idea was that, you know, I was set up to see him the following week, um, at such and such time. And we were going to go over the results. And I wake up the next day and kind of like as soon as 9 a.m. hit, I get a phone call from um, the doctor's office and they were like, Dr. Mercy wants to see you today. And um, I was just like, that's kind of weird that he wants to see me right now. He said, you know, I wasn't supposed to come in until, you know, uh, next week. So I went in and um, he's like, I want to do uh, a little better imaging. He said what we did was was okay, but uh, I just want to go in depth and, and get a better scan. So we were going to do a different style of of imaging. So uh, we'll send you over today and we'll get that done, and then uh, we'll we'll see you later on this week. So I went in again and I got scanned, and um, I was supposed to, like I said, I was supposed to come back in later in the week, but instead they called me the same day and they were like, "Doctor Mercy wants you to come back." Um, today. So pause for one second. Like what was going on in your head as that you were told to come in earlier than what you thought? Yeah, I was doing, um, I was doing a lot of mental preparation and mental rehearsing, um, during all of this stuff. Um, if I'm going to be honest with you, the second that he looked at me, um, in the, in the very first, um, appointment, I, I had two options and it was, um, I know that this man has bad information. It's, it's whatever he's going to tell me at some point is not going to, it's not going to be like, you know, you're good. We'll see, uh, you know, later it was going to be, you know, probably something that I didn't want to hear. So my first thing is, um, I have options. My options are, I can start, uh, worrying and, uh, have fear and, um, you know, feel like the worst is coming or I can start, um, preparing myself for how I'm going to react in the environment that 
the worst might be coming. So I started doing mental reps of, you know, if he says you are sick with this or you're sick with that, or you have this going on or that going on, what are you going to do? And are the things that you're going to do, um, going to set you up, you know, in a better position or a worse position? Are you going to be setting yourself up for a successful, uh, trial? Or are you going, you know, going to, uh, you know, be in a beaten down position and, and, and just not in a great spot for fighting. Um, so prior to that, like I said, once, once, once his, uh, his attention shifted to me that in that moment, I just started prepping. Um, well, and I think that's so important because rather than allowing yourself, and we talk about this a lot, like you're talking to yourself more than you're listening to yourself. Like you're really telling yourself, like, here's what I am going to say. Here is what I am going to do. And I, that's just so admirable, especially under the circumstances you were going through. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it was um, a lot of things happened, you know, prior in my life um, that brought me to that moment to have the tools in my tool bag to be able to do that. You know, cancer was, um, you know, one of the hardest things that I've ever been through and one of the hardest things that we've ever had to go through and the hardest things that I've ever had to deal with. Um, But it wasn't the first thing that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of things that happened in my life prior where I didn't have the tools and, um, you know, but but what I did have was, um, the ability to, uh, take a step back, learn from those things and then take the things that I've learned and roll them into the cancer environment. I don't think that I would have been as successful as I was and which, you know, I can talk about moving forward, you know, had I not had all of the things happened to me beforehand. I think that if I would have, I think that if I would have been diagnosed with stage four cancer when I was like 18 or 19 or 20, it definitely would have been a different environment for me because mentally I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I I just, I don't think I would have been able to deal with it in the way that I, that I was. But like I said, I had, I had things that happened to me that, Mm -hmm. you know, gave me the, the footing and gave me the, uh, the groundwork. And, um, so, so take us there then. So you're told that you have to come in earlier than what you thought. Yeah. Tell us what was happening. Keep going. Okay. So, um, basically he called me back in and, um, again, I was still flying solo. Like I hadn't told anybody that anything was going on yet. Um, and again, I just didn't want, I don't want to freak really. I just didn't want to freak my wife out. Like, you know, she's mm-hmm. pregnant and we're, um, getting pretty, you know, far into the pregnancy and she, her belly was showing really nice and she was glowing and we were, everything was so good and we were so happy. And like, I just didn't want to, uh, take that away from her because, you know, it was her first baby. And, you know, I had, I had already had two kids and, you know, not that it, Addie wasn't amazing and special, you know, cause she was, but, um, it's like, you know, when moms have a baby, it's, that's their time. That's their time. And, and you'll find out that I unintentionally stole a lot of mom's time, uh, and energy, you know, having to go through the things that we went through. But, you know, like I said, no, nobody was in the know. Um, I went back in and I talked to him and, you know, the last conversation that we had before I decided to, you know, that it was necessary that I 
told my wife what was going on and, and uh, anybody else was, um, I came in and he said, um, you have something going on inside of you and um, I'm going to need to do a biopsy to figure out exactly what it is. But in my professional opinion, it's uh, one of two things. It's cancer A or cancer B. If, uh, if it's what I, if it's a, which I'm hoping it's not, um, there's not a lot that we can do. There is no surgery that can be performed and um, chemo and radiation is basically um, just prolonging the idea of life and not really, um, it's just not a good thing. And then option B was still not good at all, but um, there was a chance that um, we could, you know, make the tumor smaller and hopefully make it go away and um, keep pushing forward. So I, I wow. feel like as, that's you know, tough. That is oh really tough. Gosh. Yeah. I was like, it's probably a good time to bring my wife in on this. And let her know. <laughs> Need a little bit of support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let her know what's going on. Um, so where we went from there is, um, you know, I, I had the conversation, um, with my wife. And, uh, again, we can didn't you, really want to, can you tell us about that? Like, I'm curious sitting down with her because I'm hearing you say, like, even though I'm going through hell right now, I'm trying to protect others. Yeah. Um, she wasn't mad at me. Like, you know, I was kind of, well, I was like, oh man. Clearly. And I know <laughs> Kayla, of course. Yeah. She's wonderful. Um, <laughs> you know, I kind of came into it soft if i'm gonna be honest with you like i didn't say what i just said to you i didn't say that to her i said you know i i've been kind of doing some stuff behind your back i'm just kidding to say that that could go very wrong um you know we need to talk i um i've had some things going on and I, you know, I went and I saw, um, my doctor a couple of times and, uh, he's got some concerns and I just think that, you know, um, you know, you and I need to sit down and have a conversation about it and uh, I'll let you know what he let me know. And, um, I, I just left out that, um, how, how adamant he was about the idea of cancer and just said that, you know, he said that there was a possibility that maybe it was, um, because again, I wanted to kind of leave that door open, um, that, you know, it wasn't kind of leaning more toward that, you know, but having my mental ready for the idea that possibly it was, but the only way to figure that out was, um, to, you know, have the biopsy and, and have him go in and, and take a little out and figure out exactly what it was. Um, so we did that. I went in and, um, I don't have a lot of experience with surgery, but I remember <laughs> coming, uh, waking up and, um, some people standing around me and everybody's got their phone out. I don't think you're allowed to do it anymore, but they're like asking me silly <laughs> questions and make me say silly things. Yeah, I got the phone out. <laughs> I'm kind of a goof. All right. So, um, I was just watching the recordings back. I can't, they were, they were just <laughs> the dumbest stuff you ever, you'd ever imagine. Um, but I do remember saying one of the first things I said, um, 
I said, Connie, was it A or B? And we we had assigned the idea that A was the cancer that I would be in super trouble. And then B was um, uh, Treatable. the better option of the two. And uh, so I said, Connie, was it A or B? And she said, she said, it's B, it's, it's the better option. And then I said, is everybody happy? <laughs> because, you know, like, like it's, it's better news than what it could have been. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so we had to go into his office and, uh, have that conversation. And, um, so we went in and, uh, I like that you're using we now instead of just like I went and did this alone. Yeah. Like now you have your village. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it was a good village. My, um, we went to see Dr. Mercer and it was me and Kayla and, uh, her mom was able to come or, you know, her mom works at the hospital and she was in on my surgery and all that stuff. So she really wanted to, to be there. And, and you know, and if I'm going to be honest, you know, the, the, the jargon that was, uh, that's used sometimes I really don't get. So, you know, she was there more uh, as a translator as well mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, what he says, I understand. And, you know, she can, you know, we can kind of have a middleman, um, so we're sitting there and, um, and, uh, at this point we, I, th- I think I said it wrong before at this point, we knew that it wasn't a, um, and we assumed that it was B, but we still didn't know exactly what it was mm-hmm. um, just right after the surgery. We just knew that whatever. So went in to see, um, Dr. Mercer with my wife and, and, uh, her mom and, uh, you know, I go to Dr. Mercer still, he's a great doctor, but he is a straight shooter. He's, uh, he, he didn't pull any punches. He went right in, uh, like as soon as we sat down, he said, uh, he said, you know, um, I'm going to go right at this. You, uh, you have the cancer B it is uh, nasal pharyngeal carcinoma. Um, I need you to, uh, you're going to want to get your affairs in order and get ready for the fight of your life was like the first sentence. Mm. <laughs> and, um, oh my gosh. So two things happened in the room. Well, three things happened in the room when that, when that, <clears throat> when that was said, he kept going on with, with, with what that meant. Um, my wife completely broke down and so did her mom. And I was like sitting on a table across the room and, you know, with the doctor, my wife's all the way on the other side of the room with her mom. And they both just start bawling or whatever. And he's standing by me and I'm, I know that I know he's what he's telling me could be important. He's giving me like numbers and scenarios and ideas and what to expect and stuff like that. But I'm really not listening to him. Um, I've got, I got two things going on. I'm, I'm working on my reps that I've been prepping on, um, prior. I'm, I'm like, you know, yeah, he just said that I have cancer, but that's all he said. And everything that he's saying right now, you know, the numbers and the percentages, they don't correlate to me because I'm not those other people. I'm, I'm me and, um, my existence isn't their existence and my story is not their story. And, um, I'm not worried about all that. All that I was really worried about was I just wanted to like go over to my wife because, um, she was 
crumbled. She was, uh, she was just gone. You know, she was uh, in a really bad spot. Um, so Doc, I'm crying. Oh, I am yeah, crying over really here. Tough. I yeah. mean, that's, that's so much. Yeah. yeah. So Doc, um, he recognized this and he said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step out and uh, let you guys talk. And then uh, when you're ready, um, I can come back in and we can figure some stuff out. So he took a step out and um, it was just me and Kayla. And I walked, <laughs> I walked over and um, I tried to give her a hug and she just kind of like, you know, fell apart uh, in my arms. And she, she almost like fell down to the floor and I'm like holding her really tight and she's sobbing. And um, I just asked her to, to, you know, to, to pull herself up with me and to look at me. And uh, she stood up and she got chest to chest with me. And I, I, I said, just look at me in my face. Like, look at me right now. Look at me. And, uh, you know, she made, you know, she looks in my eyes and I said, you know, he said that, that I have cancer. He didn't say that I was going to die today. He didn't say that I was going to die in a week. He didn't say that I was going to die next month. He said that I have cancer and that's all he said. And I said, if, you know, if we're going to make it through this, I need you to be my rock. I, I said, you know, I will fight. You know me, I will fight and I will do my best job. I said, but there's going to be days when I need you. And I just need you to promise that you're going to fight with me and that you're going to be the rock when I need you to be the rock. And she, um, she kind of stiffened herself up and shook it out and wiped her tears off. And she promised me that she would um, be my rock and that she would um, be there when, when I need her and she would fight with me. And, and from that moment on, that's what we did. And we, um, we went, we went into it uh, together and we went through everything together and we came out of it together. So um, I need yeah. to get myself together over here. I'm I, like, tears so, are just flowing. Yeah. I so empathize. I'm not crying as much, but I am feeling it in my chest because, you know, I went through something similar, you know, and that partner to help you just get through it, be that second set of ears, help you get through the rough days. It's just so important. It's just so yeah. important. And I can't help but remember a picture and maybe Tim, if you would feel comfortable sharing this image with us and we can put it on social, but there was a picture that either you or Kayla posted and it was when Kayla was in the hospital bed Yeah, and she, um, yeah, was about to have the baby and the two of you were praying together and, you know, you at that point um, had lost so much weight and you had um, lost your hair and you both were side by side battling together. Yeah. Tell us about that picture, that moment. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an, <laughs> so earlier when I said, uh, you know, that, Moms, especially first time moms are, they should be the center of attention. They should have their moments. They should be able to be, you know, pampered and taken care of. And, um, this, 
uh, it just wasn't the case uh, for Kayla. Uh, unfortunately, she um, she went into labor uh, early. We were supposed to have uh, Addie March 17th and we went um, February 22nd. So we were super early. So and, in uh, true Dorsey fashion at this point, nothing's going according to plan. Right. Oh, it was because, because I told her, I told her uh, that we were going to, that Addie was going to come early. And I told her that Addie was going to come on the 22nd and everybody was like, yeah, right. And it, and it happened exactly how wow. I started. Wow. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I play, I went to Vegas later on. It didn't happen. <laughs> um, so, so I I am at the worst place in in um, through cancer at this time when you know Addie was was on her way. I was literally at the worst place. I was. You know, most days unable to unable to get off of the couch. If I did get off of the couch, I'd have to, you know, I'd almost pass out standing up. And if I could get halfway to the bathroom, Kayla would have to with her, you know, nine months pregnant, you know, strong body would pick me up <laughs> off the floor and help me get over to the bathroom. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't even I didn't sleep in the bed because the bed was too high to get out of for me because I was so weak. So I slept on the couch. So that's like, that's kind of how our life was. So I was on the couch and she comes out and she says, babe, I think, I think my water broke. Um, rather I'm going into labor or whatever. And I was like, all right, let's, let's get moving. Let's get ready. And she's like, no, my mom's coming over. I don't want you to worry about anything. Like we're just going to go in and we're going to see that this is all really happening. And then once we figure that out, then, you know, we'll have you come over. Cause you know, if it's a false alarm and it didn't break and I'm not going into labor, then, you know, you're going to be super uncomfortable. Blah, 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 blah. So she's making it all about me. And I was like, no, if, if, <laughs> you, if you have our baby and I'm not there, I'm going to be super bummed. So we need to make sure I'm going with you. I said, there's whatever. So we get into the car and by the way, um, just to ensure that she's going into labor, my wife starts doing burpees and starts like, doing stuff to, like make sure that uh, the baby goes. Um, so um, so we, we get into the car and we go over there and I literally, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm really, I'm super duper weak. And I'm like, I, we get to the hospital and Kayla's mom says, get him uh, a wheelchair. And I was like, no, don't get me a wheelchair get my wife a wheelchair and do not worry about me and instead they brought over a wheelchair and made me get in it and so i get in the wheelchair <laughs> kayla gets in a wheelchair and they're pushing us both and we get uh into the hospital and then they're like we need to have a bed ready for him so let's bring a bed in and i'm like don't worry about me let's get my wife situated <laughs> yeah and, I'll figure me out later. So they're like pampering me and they bring in a bed for me and put me in a bed before my wife even sits down. And I'm just like, I can't even believe that this is going this way. And, um, so th I'm just trying to like paint the picture of how, but this also shows like how rough it was for you. Like, yeah. I mean, mentally you're saying emotionally. This, like, yeah. 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 Yeah, I went from when I when I got sick, I was 198 pounds, and at that point, um, I was about 147, and I was literally just uh, skin and bones and burnt skin and half bald head, and um, 
couldn't eat, couldn't drink, you know, that's kind of the place where I was, um, you know, sick often and taken care of by my nine month pregnant wife. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, so that, um, that particular, uh, picture was just a, a, a super awesome breakdown purge moment that we were both having. Like, um, I was just in like the worst spot and, uh, she was starting to have her contractions and she was in like, literally like she, we had family in the room and when she started contracting and we were, um, the idea was natural birth. Um, she cleared the room. Like nobody could stay. It was like, she was just like an agonizing pain. And we both were just like, we were crying and we were praying and we were, you know, I was just holding her hands and she was holding my hands and I was trying to help her breathe. And, um, you know, I don't know. It was, I think my mom caught that picture before she took off. Um, and it, but it is one of my, it's one of my favorite pictures. And I think that the, the best thing about the whole scenario, uh, and the best thing about the timing of that whole thing was that literally, like I said, I was in the worst place that I was through all of the cancer. I was in the worst place, just everything. Um, and I think that whatever you want to call it, you know, God or the universe or the energy or whatever you believe in, uh, recognize that and was like, you need this little angel right now. Um, so they were like, here's Addie. <laughs> um, and Addie, um, was, I mean, she was literally just the perfect baby, the perfect little baby. Um, she came out perfect and beautiful and mom came out of it. Okay. And, um, if I'm going to be honest with you, it just picked me up. Like I was so like on the floor with life. Um, and when Addie showed up, um, it just gave me that boost, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, we, we stayed up all night the first night taking turns, uh, holding her. And, um, it was just a, it was a very well, uh, timed play, uh, audible by, by God. He was like, here you go. We're going to call an option play. Right Here's <laughs> some inspiration really, to get you through. Yeah, we needed it. So that was a really awesome, awesome spot. Wow. Amazing. So then take us, so then you take this precious gift home and then parenthood really begins first time for Kayla. You're kind of, you know, going back and you have a little bit of recollection of what this was like, but you're redoing it with, you know, a a baby and Kayla and you're, you're still fighting. Like, tell us about what was going on. Um. I think that just the whole environment was still, it was very, um, trying for sure. I, I want to say first and foremost that, um, you know, Kayla is a, she's just a fantastic mom and she is very like, you know, um, she took the reins. I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you, cause still like I'm very weak and I still, you know, Eddie just came home and I'm still sleeping on the couch because I can't, you know, have a hard time. So, you know, babies aren't, they don't just sleep through the night, you know, uh, not all of them anyway, uh, mm-hmm. as soon as you get them home. So, you know, Kayla did a lot, a lot um, 
in the be in the beginning um and still to this day but you know in that time you know i was sick and we were trying to be careful and i were i think you know it's cold and flu season normally um so like my i hadn't seen my big kids for a couple of weeks, they, they were both going through one of them had a cold and then the other one had the flu. And then they were kind of like, whatever. Um, and I was so down with my immune system that I wasn't able to, to see them very much. And, um, it was just, you know, like I said, when Addie came in, um, everything just kind of started moving toward a better direction, you know, um, I was the energy of like the love and everything that was coming into our lives kind of just, I think it helped change or evolve or pull more energy in because, you know, my kids ended up um, getting over their, their little bouts of their illnesses and they, you know, were able to come over and, and see Addie and they were able to come and stay, you know, more often. And um, I was eventually able to uh, make my way back into the, to our bedroom and, and help. And, um, I wanted to make sure that I was doing that type of stuff too. I didn't want to put the full burden on first time mom for sure. But, um, also that's a, that's an important time for anybody, you know, when, when you want to be part of all of the things you want to be part of, um, you know, doing the diapers stuff at night, you want to be part of, uh, rocking the baby back to sleep when she wakes up in the middle of the night, you want to be part of all those first, you know, we just want to be a sideline, you know, no matter how you're feeling. So I feel like, um, when Addie came home, it kind of just inspired more, um, momentum inside of me to just make sure that, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep getting up. You gotta keep, you know, creating an environment where, you know, um, you're able to feel better, do better, help more, you know, be part of it this more. So everything doesn't fall on Kayla. Cause like I said, she was taking on way more than any first time mom, you know, ever should be taking on and she was rocking it, you know, and I just wanted her, I just wanted to be more helpful. I just, I didn't want her to, do everything. You know what I mean? Sure. (laughs) Right. She, she deserves a cape. I feel like she (laughs) truly is just superwoman. Um, but you've, you've hit on it a little bit, Tim, and this is kind of like a loaded question, but I'm wondering, so that mantra of just keep going, which I swear I hear you in my head all the time in moments where it's like, I just feel like giving up, whether it is like a workout or something I'm dealing with, with in life. Like I truly, I think back to that picture and I also think back to your journey and I hear you in my head, just keep moving. So I'm curious through your cancer journey, how did you find the strength to keep moving and also what boundaries did you have to set in order to truly be able to as you say fight for your life i think that um you know like i said earlier the i had a lot of things that happened before you know being sick and before um running my business that set me up for you know, having the ability to do the things that I, that I was able to do, um, you know, in starting a new business in, um, championing, you know, my, my circumstances. Um, so I'm thankful 
for those things. But, you know, if, if, um, if I wouldn't have, you know, gone out on a limb and started my fitness company, you know, again, would I have been able to have the mindset to say and do the things that I did while I was going through cancer? You know, if I, this is another story for another time, but, you know, I made the decision to go into fitness because, um, I got knocked over and buried by a wall of dirt on a, on a construction site. And people literally like dug me out and were like, you know, are you okay? And I remember thinking like, I don't want to be here. I don't like being here. And I just got buried alive. I don't, you know, like. Wow. Listeners, if you could have seen Sarah in my face when he said that, both of our (laughs) eyes just like bulged out of our heads. Like, what? But I'm just like, I'm just like. Like if I'm going to wow. do anything, I might as well enjoy it. You know what I mean? But right. if that wouldn't happen, then I might not have taken the leap into doing the fitness stuff. And again, like the great transition of, of my of my life was understanding the idea that every time that I have adversity and every time that I fail, I can, I have, again, I have options. My options are I can be crumbled by it or I can put things back together and figure it out. Um, and I, and I've, and I've come to the realization that, um, and, and this is stolen from Will Smith, who's one of uh, my favorite people to follow. You know, he says that, you know, things might not be your fault. Like your circumstance might not be your fault. You can't control everything. But even though something isn't your fault, it is 100% your responsibility from there on. You know what I mean? Like some, I, you know, I, if I want, if I want to take myself to a different place, so I don't like the way that things look, if I don't like the, the way that things are going, if I'm unhappy, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, if I want to battle my fears, if I want to transcend things, like I am 100% in control of that. And again, if I wouldn't have had the circumstances that I had prior to all of this, then I wouldn't have been able to come in, you know, with that type of attitude and that type of knowledge and be able to, push through when I was able to push through, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And what I'm hearing you say is that it is through all of these different situations in my life, good or bad, that have molded me into where I am now. But then also situations that occur, circumstances, we have no control over that. But we then have the power to decide what we do with the cards were dealt. Right. I had, um, trying to be a trainer, trying to be a, a, you know, start my fitness company. I had, um, you know, like I said, I, I had that, the happening on the construction site and I had a bunch of jobs that, you know, I wasn't happy with. And, 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 um, I dabbled in training people for a while. I was a high school and college athlete and I, I rehabbed my arm with, with a, professional team. And I was, you know, I was, I knew that I enjoyed it. So, um, I knew what I didn't like and I knew what I did like, and I was just like, I'm going to start doing things that I do like to do. You know what I mean? And so what trying- did you have to say no to in order to start saying yes to things that you loved? Well, this was, this was the, um, the main idea that I definitely wanted to talk about was like my, my big no is, is, to my programming because if you think about how 
we've been programmed or, uh, you know, our, you know, people who, who come up in our society have been programmed. Like there's certain, um, milestones that everybody wants to hit and there's certain expectations that everybody has to have. And there's certain cues that people like to follow. And there's certain things that it's just, it just is how it is for the majority of, of people. And my, my great no has been, um, not doing the things that are expected of me, but rather having courage and strength to do the things that I want to do. You know what I mean? Because it's expected that you, you know, after you, you go to high school, that's expected that you're either, you either go to college or you go to the military, you, you know, at least in my circumstance, it was like, dad was like, you got two options. You're going here, you're doing this. And there wasn't really like, but you could also do anything that you want like I wasn't like <laughs> you know what I mean and then you go to school and then what do you you know what is what does everybody want to do based on societal factors like you want to get married you want to buy a house you want to do this you want to do that you want to have kids you want to like and it's usually like on this timed this like already set in stone timed thing and it took me a little while you know but I through trial and error and through, you know, experience and through learning and, um, failing very often, you know, I, I was able to, to take my mental into a space where I started saying no to the programmed ideas of this is Tim's life and started saying yes to the reprogramming of what I want my life to be. So, you know, like I said, when I, um, when I knew that I didn't want to do jobs that I hated anymore, I started to reprogram and started to do, uh, you know, I'm, I want to do fitness. I want to, I want to change people's lives. I'm good at it. I'm good at motivating people. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I would have fun with it. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hearing you say that instead of, you know, checking these boxes and doing what has been taught to me for so long, the societal expectations or the patterns that I feel like were expected of me, I kind of stopped and I said, wait a second, I get to decide the path. No one else gets to choose that. And I'm going to dabble in things until I figure out what exactly that looks like. Yeah. Um, one, 100%. I, you know, I, I don't want to by any means say that um, everything that I do is like a success and everything I've, that I've said I'm going to do is, is um, you know, I've, I've, I've championed and I've, I've beat everything and I've done everything that I want to do. I still, um, have so many fears and the acting thing was, was, was one of the thing. And I still have so many things that will, um, enter my mental space and enter my heart space. And the old programming still tries to grab me mm-hmm. and be like, you should be afraid, bro. Come back over here where it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I call mine the shitty committee. We talk about it a lot, but the <laughs> shitty committee meets in my head and like yeah. basically tells me all of the reasons mm-hmm. not to do something or why I shouldn't. So, um, but what I'm loving that I'm hearing is that you're, you're recognizing that you're not here saying like this toxic positivity. I'm just, you know, positive all the time and everything goes the way, but but what you're really saying is like, I'm putting myself out there. Hey, if I fail, I learned. I learned right. something. You have to go through it to grow through it. Right. And that's how you've gotten to where you are. But it's a daily 
a daily choice. Like right. you are constantly being, you know, bombarded with the old programming and you have to intentionally, purposefully and actively choose a different way to rewire that. Right. You know, it's, it's all, it's all about reps, repetitions, right? So I, I wake up in the morning. If I, if, if I open my eyes and I say, shit, it's Monday again. I hate Mondays and I hate going to work and I don't want to get out of bed. And then I get in my car and I'm like fucking traffic. And, oh, and then, oh, I have to sit by this person at work and I hate the job that I'm going to. If I'm get, if I, most people get those type of reps all day long and it might not be to that extreme, but you wake up and, you know, you might, if, if you don't, enjoy your job. And if you don't enjoy your commute, and if you don't enjoy, you know, your life circumstance, if you're not happy in the place that you live or the car that you have or the, or, or whatever, if you're not happy in all of these environments, more than likely you have this, this repetitive stuff going on in your life. And I like to coach, you know, my people at the gym and the people that I, you know, that I speak to outside of the gym that, you know, everything is, is everything is what I say to them. I say, everything is everything. And, you know, and, and you are the creator of your environment and you got to think of no matter what you're attacking, no matter what you're trying to work with, if you're, if you're giving, you know, bad energy to this, but good energy to this and, and, and moderate energy to this. And, and you know what I mean? Like you're just going to stay in that revolving door and you're, you're not going to be in your, in your best position. But if you can treat everything is everything, if you can wake up in the morning and instead of saying, shit, it's Monday, if you could wake up and be like, man, I'm breathing today. That's awesome. Or, you know, the sun's shining today, or, um, you know, I'm going to be great today. I'm going to be successful today. I can't wait to do the things that I want to do today. If you start saying those things and getting reps in that way, then those reps start becoming your reality instead of, you know, doing, doing those negative reps that have been your reality or, you know, and, and again, it's not for everybody. You know, some people do wake up just happy all the time and that's mm-hmm. great. More than likely, They've just, they have a programming pattern of doing those things, you know, but exactly. The, yeah. The people who struggle with me, the people who've struggled in my gym and struggled, you know, with, um, you know, who, who come to talk to me about, you know, the, their life position that they're in or the job that they're in or how they feel about their fitness or whatever it is. You know, we always go back to that. Like, how are you talking to yourself? Mm-hmm. How are you talking to other people? How, uh, you know, are you, mentally reacting to the things that are going on outside of you? Are you taking control of your environment and inside of that control, are you planting positivity seeds mm-hmm. or like, are you, are you, uh, you know, being passive and sitting back and letting life happen to you and then, you know, reacting in a victim way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are, you, are you being and, proactive or reactive? Right. Right. And, and you're the one person that you can't get away from. Like you're stuck with you forever. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be stuck with someone that I love, someone that cheers me up and is there for me definitely during the good times, but also during the bad times. Times. And right. so it, it, it is about that, that mental programming that you're talking about. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I, the work that I do is helping people understand thought patterns and 
And the cool thing is, is that all it takes is one shift for a cycle Mm -hmm. to break. And so we might notice because we've been conditioned for so long that, yeah, on Monday, that alarm goes off and our programming is to kind of go down that negative cycle. But as soon as you recognize and catch that thought, you can change it. Right. I listen to a lot of different inspirational speakers and you know watch as many inspiring videos as i can and i you know whatever i try to get as as much of that uh as i can inside of my system and one of the 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 big pulls um that i've found things that i keep pulling into my to my existence and into my energy stream is the power of right now and a lot of people have the hardest time finding their now and living in their now. And they instead, you know, they'll live in something that happened an hour ago, two hours ago, a day ago, two weeks ago, a year ago, sometimes 20 years ago. And they'll live there in that place and they're unable to break the bonds of that place or their expectations for what they think they should be are so outlandish and high and crazy, not that it's crazy that they would want to be somewhere, but it's, but they have the bar set so crazy in a different position. And because they're not there yet, they're always beating themselves up about not being there instead Mm -hmm. of finding a way to recognize and appreciate what's going on around you right now in this moment, because it is the only thing that you can control like right you can't control what already happened you can't you know predict what's going to happen in in 10 or 20 minutes you can prep for it you Mm -hmm. can't predict it so the only thing uh that you can really do is is find a way to be awesome in your now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um i talked to you know a lot of people about um one of the speakers i was listening to said um you know if you closed your eyes you know right now and you took a couple of deep breaths and you just cleared your mind and you opened up your mind or opened up your eyes and you looked around you and you had no prior memory of anything that already happened you didn't know you know anything about what had already happened in your life none of your sad stories or nothing that made you who you think you are have happened yet just opened your eyes how could you be sad you know how could you be angry how could you be you know depressed or stressed if you just opened your eyes and you were like oh we would be in awe if we just opened our eyes with nothing else happening like oh my god this is so like what are all these colors you know what is that what are these clouds in the sky what is oh that person's shirt is so cool we don't have all of that all of the societal programming going on Um, and all of the feels from past experiences going on. So we're able to just really be absorbed in right now and the, and the grace and the beauty and the awesomeness of, of right now. And I think that if people can, can do that a little bit more, they're going to have a lot easier time finding their joy. You know what I mean? Because absolutely. Mm -hmm. I try and remind myself in those moments because naturally, um, and especially, and I'm speaking from someone, you know, a business woman, a mom of three, 
very go, go, go. I have, um, you know, some anxious tendencies. I just have to remind myself, be where my feet are. And so when I can tell myself, like you're saying, take a deep breath and just be, we are human beings, not human doings, and just being and taking in those we talk about. Um, I use my hand a lot during these things. And when I'm working with clients, um, we have five fingers and we have five senses. So being able to stop, be where your feet are, and really take in those five senses in the moment, it helps to ground us. And it's so important for us to really be able to be in the now, which you're talking about. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, going back to, um, what we were talking about prior, the, this is going to sound silly, maybe, um, but people ask me all the time um, about cancer and I get it. I get it all the time. And, um, you know, people, they've found my story on Google or whatever. I get a lot of calls and I talk to a lot of people, you know, who are going through similar things and, you know, they're worried and they're scared. And, um, and um, you know, people ask me, um, or, or rather they'll, they'll say, you know, how horrible that must've been for you. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I, you know, I wish that, um, things were different for you. And, you know, they, they'll say these comforting things, which are, which are great. And, and, and I appreciate, and it's not, and it might sound outlandish coming out of my mouth. I don't, I'll say this number one, like I, I don't wish to go through cancer again. And I don't, wish for anybody to have to go through, uh, cancer, but I am thankful for cancer. And I, and I think that might be one of the, the, one of the reasons that I was so successful in, in battling and going through it and, and, and defeating it and continuing to to move and get myself back into a better position is I learned so much through my cancer that I, I wouldn't have learned had it not happened again. I don't want it again. I don't want anybody else to ever have to go through what I had to go through, you know, but when you have to sit back and think about the idea of, um, never existing, like you're, you, you really have to think about your own death and that it might be eminent because I didn't mention this earlier, but you know, the, I wasn't going at first, I didn't want to do, I don't like, I never wanted to do chemo and radiation. I really didn't. I, I don't, I was a very healthy person. I ate great. I lifted all the time. I was athletic and in the best shape of my life. And they're like, we're going to throw some cancer or some, some chemo and radiation in you to, to defeat your cancer. Um, and I was like, no, at first I was like, I'm not going to do that. Thanks. Anyway, I'm going to try a natural path. And then my doctor calls me in and she says, I want to show you where your tumor's at. And I want to show you uh, what it looks like on this scan. So she pulls me in. She's like, here's your tumor and here's how big it is. And here's, it's got thousands of arms. And she's like, and what I'm worried about, is that we don't know its growth rate. And if that tumor grabs onto your brainstem, you're just going to go to sleep and you're not going to wake up. So I'm worried that if the growth rate is fast, that you might not even be around to see your daughter born, Addie. Right. So when she said that, 
you know, obviously I was like, well, let's start tomorrow. What do you want to like, like, right, you know, right. right. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't have any other options, you know, after that. Cause you know, I, I, um, at least mentally, I didn't have any other options. I was like, I, you know, I want to be around for my kid and I, I, I really don't want to do that style of treatment, but you know, if I don't, I also don't want to, I don't want to be dead before Eddie comes and I have other kids that I, that I, I, I love and I want to be with and I want to be with my wife and I want to keep living my life. And I, you know, whatever, I'll just, whatever I got to do to fight. Um, but, um, you know, I, like I said, if I, if I, if I wouldn't have had to sit down and think about the idea of Tim not existing anymore, of Tim dying um, and and what that means, then I wouldn't be the person that I that I am today, and and feel the things that I feel, and think the things that I think, and help the people that I'm able to help. Sometimes, um, you know, because we think that that certain things are so important, like it's so important that we're you know making money, and it's so important what house we have, and it's so important what we're driving, and it's so important. You know, all these things are super important and we got to go, 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 go. And we got to earn, 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 earn. And, and we got to be stressed when we're stressed and blah, 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 blah. And all that stuff really, when you think about it, doesn't mean anything. Like it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, I used to be a person who would, and it was just programming. You know, I would get angry in traffic and I would, you know, I was, I'd roll my window down, you know, at the drop of a hat and be like, Hey, you know, middle finger and cussing and whatever is some, you know, I can like not imagine that. (laughs) I'm like having this vision of like the the prior Tim. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I throw some F-bombs. But it was just, right. why do we do the things that we do? We generate the things that we do because Mm -hmm. there was a stage set before us and we learned from that, those playbooks. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. the things that I thought were important, the things that I thought were life drivers, the things that I thought, you know, were, were necessities, um, just everything got toppled and flipped as soon as I understood that. Does any of that mean anything? If you cease to live, you know what I mean? What does that mean? What, what, what does somebody cutting you off in traffic mean? (laughs) If you don't even get to experience it because you're dead, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I am thankful that I got to experience all of the things that cancer brought. I'm super happy and blessed and, um, and, and all those great words, um, that I was able to transcend that environment of my life and, and keep moving toward better, a better place. But again, if, if it wouldn't have happened the way that it happened, then life wouldn't be what it is for me right now. And I am, the older I get and the more experience I get and the more knowledge that I get and the more people that I get to come in contact with and talk to you about life and, and, and learn from and, and all these things, you know, the more I pass forward, the more content and happy and joyful I feel and the more balanced I feel. And I, and again, I think that's just moving away from, you know, all of, the old streams of, you know, consciousness, mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. old ideas, all of the old programming and understanding, you know, that, you know, like I said earlier, you know, everything is everything and everything is comes from me, 
You know what I mean? Everything out here is buildable by me. And again, this is not something I talk to my clients about as well, is that like, I don't want to be, I don't want anybody to take this in the wrong way. And I don't want to use God in the wrong way that might offend somebody. But I tell people all the time, like, if you think about it, you are the, the God of your environment um, to an extent, because if you want to build heaven around you, you just have to do it. Like if you want, if you, if you don't like where you're, if you're living in hell right now, if you're living in a place that you cannot stand and you, you hate everything about it and you're in a literal hell, you have the power to change that. Only you do. You can't, you can't ask somebody else to do everything for you. I mean, it's nice that people can help you, but you have to pull your own self out of that. You have to create and you have the ability to create. You want to move, you have to move, right? If you want to get out of it, you have to get out of it and you have to, to, to do it yourself. You don't like a job, go get a new job. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to try something that scares you, go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, you want, if you're not happy with the person that you're with, find another person or work through it. You know what I mean? Like you have to move, you have to do it yourself. Um, but if you, you like to find the courage well, to do it, I'm sorry. And you have to find the courage to do it. Right. Yeah. And, 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 the, and um, I'm, I'm like the, like, amen to all of it. <laughs> like it is like what you here I am like speechless. And this is what you do to me, Tim Dorsey, <laughs> because the energy you put out there, the inspiration you put out there, like I'm just taking it all in. And one of the things that I think is really important that you had mentioned is that gratitude piece. And when we are going through tough situations, because everybody is tough, hard is a spectrum and it's going to be certain things are going to be hard for certain people. And it's not about comparing your hard to someone else. But I really encourage listeners and Tim, thank you for reminding me of this, is that in those moments when something is uncomfortable, it, it creates discomfort. It's hard. We don't understand why it's happening. I encourage you to pause and to look through a lens of gratitude. What is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from this? How can I move forward from the pain that I'm in right now? Because like you have been mentioning we do have the choice to sit in it and allow that circumstance to completely debilitate us or take us down that self-sabotage path or, um, I mean, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, like we can cope in a really negative way or we can look at it and thank it. Thank you for being a roadblock what do I do from here? What, what am I trying to learn and really coming from a place of gratitude? I, I do. And I do want to add that, you know, when I, I, I will not say again, like I said earlier, you know, it, it wasn't like we just breezed through it and we were like, we're just going to be positive and, and no bad days are going to happen. I mean, there were, there were, I, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, I fell apart and Kayla had to pick me up or, um, you know, I, I, I was crying and, you know, a stranger made my day better or, you know, it, it was, it was hard and I had my horrible days and I don't want us, I didn't want it to sound like, you know, your fixes stop thinking like that 
and start thinking somewhere you have to process like if mm-hmm. like if you all need feelings to, you are welcome all if feelings are yell, welcome yeah, yeah. You have to have your feelings. You have to. But mm-hmm. once you've processed all of your feelings, can you can you let that environment go and then start creating again is is the thing. And I just wanted to point that out that, you know, you you like you say, you can either you can choose to sit in your place um, once you get there or or you can transcend that place, you know, but please don't be afraid to have your your moments because you're you you need to have them you if if and another thing is like if you know i you know i mentioned in in the bio that i gave you you know i'm a i'm a survivor of depression as well and that is a true story i, I w- i've went through bouts of depression in my life for uh, a myriad of reasons but you know there's moments inside of those feelings that if you don't allow yourself to erupt if you don't have that eruption moment where you just purge that negative energy out of you 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 won't be able to leave that place because it still sits in you it still is a part of you so no matter what you think or say if you don't allow yourself to to move into that moment and move through that moment and experience that moment and then push out of that moment you'll still be stuck in it it's what to 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 just say that you've left an environment and to actually leave an environment are two different things. You know what I mean? And I, and Mm -hmm. I think to clarify also is let yourself feel however you're feeling about it. But I think it's more of providing ourselves with the permission to acknowledge the situation for whatever it is hard, sit with those feelings, but then recognize once we have given ourselves space and grace to do that, then deciding, well, what do I do with this? Do I continue to let it, you know, bury me? Or do I choose to learn from this and then, you know, move forward? And Tim, I mean, to we always ask towards the end, I feel like you have sprinkled in golden nuggets throughout this entire interview, but to kind of, you know, leave listeners, is there any piece of advice or any final golden nugget that you want to leave our listeners with? You know, I, um, I think that, you know, like I said, the, the main idea that I wanted to, you know, come in with and, and leave with, I think you touched base on it as well, is that you have to, you have to learn how to, how to cultivate, um, your, your positive moments. You have to learn how to create, um, your environment. You have to learn how to get the reps in prior, um, to bring yourself into a position to build the greatest circumstance for yourself. Um, you know, if you don't do the, the mental rehearsing, if you don't, you know, do the reps, if you, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not putting it all in, um, you won't get you. I don't want to say you won't, but you you'll be you could be stuck in that revolving door that we talked about. Um, I think that you have to be you have to you have to live in your now. You have to you have to 
find a way to find joy in your right now. You know, you might have bills that are due or, you know, somebody hit your car or, um, you know, whatever's going on in, in your life, but are they going on right now? And how is your right now affecting other people? So, you, you know, I have my daughter with me, you know, Addie, and we're playing on the floor, but my mind is thinking about, you know, that person that ran into my car earlier and how mad I am about it. And I'm missing time in my now with my kid. Um, and she feels that energy as well. Um, and it's changing everyone's circumstances. You know what I mean? So instead mm-hmm. of being inside of a really great moment with a really great kid, having a really great time and just having joy in my moment, you know, I'm, I'm off mentally somewhere else. And she feels that too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That we're pushing out of that now into a new now, um, under a new set of circumstances. So maybe she starts growing into an idea of that doesn't really pay attention to me when we're together and we don't really, you know, and that those are things that, you know, might pop up later in life for her because I wasn't mentally there. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's, that's a really good piece of it is that even though physically we look like we're here, we really have to train our brain to make sure that we're focused. Tim, I like want to continue to share you with the world because I think everybody needs a little piece of Tim Dorsey in their life. (laughs) And so is there, where can people find you? Right. Um, so, well, first off, I told you that I talk too much, so I'm sorry about that. I want to keep you on your schedule. You have a big audition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, we, uh, so I'm on, uh, Facebook and it's just under Tim Dorsey. I'm hard to find on Facebook because there's a lot of Tim Dorsey's. I don't have a particularly, um, unique name. And also <laughs> there is a Tim Dorsey who lives in Florida, who is an author and he's a, he's a New York times bestselling author. Uh, and people often uh, will get me confused with him and we're not the same person. I don't like really <laughs> Um, yeah, so but, yeah, I'm on Facebook and, uh, on Instagram, I am at Tim Dorsey fitness. So my, my fitness company, um, and I really don't social in any other way. Um, if you wanted to re- if anybody had any questions about anything that I said, or if anybody had, you know, if they were, you know, going through some of the trials and errors that I've went through and they just wanted to talk and you wanted to uh, reach out to me, my email is Tim Dorsey fitness at gmail.com. Um, and I, and I want to leave that door open for, for anyone, you know, if you find me on social or if you wanted to send an email over to me, I can't promise that I'll get back to you, you know, in a 12 hour period, but I promise that I will get back to you and I'll gladly talk to anybody about anything. I'll tell you that when I was going through all my stuff, um, I, 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 I did great with, with my stuff here and here, but if I didn't have the army that was behind me and all the, the, the positive talk and all of the love and the prayers and the energy coming from all of the people that were around me, I, you know, I, st- again, I wouldn't have been in the same way that I was, you know, coming out of it. And I do want to capstone something really quick. Um, because we've kind of, I know that I, I'm, I've been jumping all over the place with what we're talking about. I want to say that, um, you know, I was diagnosed in 14 and, uh, told that I might, 
uh, die at the beginning of 15 and I was cleared in the middle of 15 and I have been cancer free, um, ever since 15. So, Yay. That's yeah, amazing. so, um, no, no reoccurrences and, uh, feeling healthy, feeling great and just trying to do my best job. Um, and, uh, again, my, my, my one more thing maybe would be to do what your heart tells you to do and don't ever second guess your own heart because with what I'm doing today, you know, with going and I'm, I'm auditioning this, this happened because of, because, because of movement essentially, because I had these ideas and I want, I've, I've always wanted to do it and I've always wanted to pursue it. And I've always been afraid of it. And, you know, like I said, if it wasn't for certain things in my life, I wouldn't have had cer- certain circumstances. And I told myself after I got sick with cancer and after, you know, facing the idea that I might not be around anymore, that what else can you be afraid of, bro? And it took me a couple of years, but I, you know, last, like I said, last October, the universe started putting things in my, in my way, in my path, um, leading me in that direction. And then I was finally like, what else? Why be scared? Just do it. Just do what your heart wants to do and have fun with it. And I've went from being afraid of it and not doing it to, um, allowing it to happen and moving into that environment to, you know, I'm going on auditions to, you know, today in a, a few short months. I've had people from, you know, across, like I had a, I'm, I'm in a couple uh, groups um, online and I, I, I get coached by some people and yada, yada. And I've had some submissions at, in a group that I'm with in Australia and they don't know anything about me. They don't know where I'm from or what I've done or who I am or how long I've been acting or anything like that. And they're like coaching me on the the stuff that I'm submitting to them. And I've had a guy tell me, like, I don't know what to say to an actor of your caliber. I've had so, like I've had uh, a guy uh, say that, you know, what you just did was probably one of the most epic things that I've ever seen, you know, like stuff like that. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that, but. I understood that I had a, a love and an interest and a desire a long time ago. And I let my fears shut it down and I will never say, well, you know, I, I wish I would have, or, you know, what would be if I had prior. Um, but they say the best time, uh, to plant that tree is either 20 years ago or right now. And if you don't plant it right now, it's not going to grow, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. down the road. Yeah. So right now is the best time. And if you have anything sitting on your heart that you want to do, it will be hard. You know, there will be times when you fail. You will, you know, um, when I was starting my fitness company, I had my car take repoed in front of my kids. I was, uh, I was kicked out of a house. We had no Christmas one year. Um, I mean, there's things that sacrifices that had to be made. Um, but with all of those sacrifice, all those sacrifices led me to a place where I'm finally balanced and feel like I'm just in love with everything that I'm doing. And, and that's that, I guess that would be the gold nugget is follow your heart, fall in love with what you're doing and, you know, don't ever go against it. 
We, we are so thrilled that you chose to fight, that you are here with us today, that you are touching the lives of so many. And please, please, please keep us posted with what happens with the audition. So we yeah. celebrate you. I, I mean, I'm already it's in my mind. I've made up my mind. You're already getting it. But, you know, we want to make sure that we continue to um, to support you in this new venture and yeah, to just hopefully bring you back for like a part two, because yes. this is, we could just keep talking and talking. Yes. <laughs> I would love to come back anytime. This was fun. Yeah. Um, I find it like when you, when you're really having fun, you're really connecting with people and everybody's just firing together. Time seems to, to, to yeah. not exist. And then I look down because at the recording. Because we're in the now. Because we're in the now. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 I look down and we're, we're, a hundred, we're a one hour and almost 17 minutes. And, and I'm like, they're going to cut me off anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun to get to this one hour yeah. and 16 minutes, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for gracing us with just yourself. We so yeah. love having you on. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me on. It was my pleasure. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support, and to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo design by Angela Giacco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by G.G. Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.